Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let that be our prayer this evening. Lead me, Lord, and I'll go. You have called me, I will answer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. You would turn with me today. Turn with me today to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Appreciate what I feel in this building tonight. I, uh, I'm thankful for all of those that have been here and, and experiencing what a mighty revival we've had. Hasn't that been powerful? It's been life-changing. You know, the word's only effective if you obey it. I preached a message when I was a teenager. I preached a message called stirred but not changed. Stirred but not changed. Equally stirred, but only some, some make the change. That's the benefit is responding to the word. The Bible said you purified your souls in obeying the gospel. The power, the power of conversion comes through the obedience of his word. And we have been challenged by the prophet of God that we prayed and fasted for the Lord to send. And guess what? Change has happened because obedience has happened. I went home and obeyed. I went home and listened to what the man of God said. I feel, I feel more conviction than I felt in a long time. Feel more open to the spirit, more clear in my vision, more understanding of what the spirit is doing. And I believe it comes through the obedience of the word of God. Can you say amen? Aren't you glad for a preacher that God sent us? I think we ought to thank God for Brother Bobby Wade. Amen. He's going to be back with us. Let's thank God for the man of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse two, and be not conformed to this world. That means to be identified with. Identified with. I don't even want to be identified with the world. I don't want somebody to pick me out and say, you know, they, they don't even know I'm different. When we're in the world, we're the light of the world. We're not the world. Come out from the world. Be a separate from the world. Say the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. I want to be different, don't you? Oh, let there be a hearty amen. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Before you're seated, the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 16. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 24. Matthew 16 and 24. You've got it, Seth, got it. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, 
let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever, Jesus said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. This is a powerful convicting verse in verse 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. I'd like to preach to you on the inconvenience of the cross. The inconvenience of the cross. Before you're seated, lift your hands and ask God to speak to you. Would you do that? Oh Lord, tonight, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. Everybody says amen. You may be seated. Prophecy, prophecy of Christ to come is all through the Old Testament. Prophecy is all through the Old Testament. Even in the book of Luke, it talks about Moses and the prophets made mention of him. How many know that to be true? We see him in Genesis. We see him in Genesis that when Adam and Eve sinned and God began to curse uh, the ground and Adam and he cursed Eve and the ground. When he cursed the serpent, he said in Genesis 3.15 that there would be uh, the seed of a woman that would crush the serpent. And we know that was speaking of Christ. Can you say man? All through scripture, Psalms talks about him. You see it, you see it in Exodus, in the blood of the lamb that was shed in Egypt. You see it in Isaiah 9 and chapter 9. I was just meditating on Isaiah before uh, church this evening when I was at home resting before service. And he talks about those that are in the shadow of death. Like we heard such a powerful message on Sunday night by Pastor Christman. We ought to thank the Lord for the man of God. Amen. Life changing. Life changing. And what he said was that light, light can come to the place that's in the shadow of death. Interesting is that in Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, it talks about light shall come to those in darkness and light shall come to those that are in the shadow of death. Not, not accident that in the same portion of scripture, it says unto us, a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful. Counselor, How many know he's the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace? And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Clap your hands and thank God that there's a savior that's been born. There's a savior in this room right now. It doesn't matter how life has been disparagingly to you, how problematic you've been, what you've been going through, there's light in the evening time. Look at your neighbor and say, there is light in the evening time. Oh, thank God for Calvary. Amen. And so when you're reading the book of Genesis, you find it, you find it so interesting that chapter one, two, three, and four is, is the story of creation that now starts talking about man and, 
And, and it's an interesting portion. The six days, the six days of creation goes into Adam and Eve, even talks about the fall of Adam and Eve and removed from the garden. It's so interesting. And then you get to chapter five. And when you get to chapter five, it's almost one of those boring chapters. And Adam begat. You ever skip the begats? How many know what the begats are in the church? You know, when, you, when you're trying to read the Bible through and you get the begats, that's when you turn on speed read and you think, the Lord doesn't expect me to read this anyhow. Can't pronounce half of it. Don't even know what it means. Hey, try to be the preacher that has to preach from that stuff. Get up and make, just make up what you think that word says. My goodness, there's been a lot of times a young preacher, I started reading, I skipped over the rest of the verse because I knew I'm gonna humiliate myself with all of these. You try to get up here and say, Behela hey, roha. It's just not comfortable. <laughs> it's the begats, the begats of Genesis 5. But what you'll find is really, it represents a time period and God's word is not wasted even on the begats. How many know, by every word, was proceeded, not man should I live by bread alone, but by every word was proceeded out of the mouth of God just for fun, just for a couple, just for a few verses. Let's just read it because there's nothing else to do while we're here right now. Genesis chapter five, verse one. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God, may he him, male and female, created he them and blessed them called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness. That's a miracle in itself, having children at 130 years. After his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died and Seth lived 100 and five years and begat Enos. And so that is the narrative. How long they lived, when they had children, and who the name of these children were, all the way from Adam until Noah. Now listen, you get through chapter five, it gets interesting again. You've got Noah and the ark. And it just continues on from there until you get to Leviticus, then you get stumped again with a bunch of begats and laws. But why would it? Why is it listening? Because God wanted to put something there to tell the Jews from the beginning, there's something greater coming ahead. And so what happened was every name, when it is translated to what it means, when every name is translated out, Adam, Seth, Enos, all the way down to, all the way down to um, uh Noah, you're gonna find that it was a message that was embedded in the scripture so that they would know that a savior is coming. Watch this, let's translate it from here. Let's look at what it says. When you go through chapter five, it's really not boring when you understand what the names meant. Adam meant man, Seth meant appointed, Enosh meant mortal, Kenan meant sorrow. You go all the way down to Noah. Let's look in the order of what these names actually said. Are you ready? In chapter five, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching, his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. In chapter five, it was a prophecy that, that God was gonna come down from heaven
He was going to teach a doctrine and when he did, he was going to give his life to bring rest and comfort to the despairing. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here tonight, I come to preach to you. The gospel still works. What Jesus did at Calvary, it makes a difference. We don't need another pill. We don't need another voted politician to be the hope for us. We need the gospel. It's what Jesus did at Calvary. That's what makes a difference tonight. Somebody shout, Calvary matters. Amen. Calvary matters. But Calvary is in vain if there is no resurrection. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, I say to you that if he died at Calvary, but he was still in the grave, our faith is in vain. We don't only celebrate Good Friday, which was the cross where he died. We, we celebrate three days later on Easter that he got up from that grave. Aren't you glad he got up? That death couldn't hold him. Amen. The grave couldn't keep him. He was perfect in all of his ways. I feel like preaching to you. We're not at 1365 talking about history. The one that got up out of that grave, he's here tonight and he's alive forevermore. He's given us power. He's given us authority. And he's given us dominion. Amen. It's not just to remove our sins. It's not just to get us into heaven. It's to put us back in our order and who we are in him. When God made man, when God made Adam, he said, I am putting you here and I am gonna give you dominion. Somebody shout dominion. I'm gonna give you dominion. That means control. That means to rule. That means to be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. It's talking about the order of who you are. Yes, Psalms 8 says that we were made a little lower than the angels, but we were made in the image of God. He is the creator of all things, John 1. Says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and life, as Brother Crispin preached, was the light of men. That's why at creation, when he stood in Genesis one, he stood, oh, let's, let's, since we don't have anything better to do, let's turn to Genesis one tonight and verse one. Look what it says. In the beginning, God, somebody shout God. God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But it wasn't hopeless because when God saw darkness, he saw void, he saw chaos. It says, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Can I preach to you that God's spirit moves on chaos. His spirit moves on dark places. His spirit moves where there's void, amen. But he doesn't just leave it there. Verse three says, and God said, let there be light 
and there was light. It didn't matter how long it had been dark. It didn't matter how long it had been in a mess. When God said there's gonna be light, there was light and light came in the evening time. I'm preaching to somebody. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the darkness. When God starts speaking his word to you, light is gonna move darkness and he's gonna bring order to where there's been chaos. Would you clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Somebody shout glory. We live in a dark world, but there's light in the evening time. Amen. It's a dark hour, but there's light. He told his disciples, he said it this way, you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter five. Matthew five, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill. Let's turn there. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout glory. How many feel his presence in this room right now? Oh, somebody clap your hands and praise him for a moment. Oh, I feel the Lord in this room. I really do. I feel God in this house right now. Matthew 5 and 14. Matthew 5 and 14. He said, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. If you ever come back from Columbus at night, at night, you can see the lights of Zanesville before you ever see the city because the light always pierces the darkness. Everybody shout the light. Can I say to you, the anchor should not just be another church in a community. It shouldn't be just another nice facility where we have some level of leadership with excellence and a good camaraderie among the people. If we are not light in people's darkness, we're wasting our time. They ought to be able to be all over the community, living in dark places and say, I see the light shining. I'm tired of living in darkness. I'm gonna go to that place because there's light there. Can I tell you that is the purpose of the church? Not just, to, not just on a Sunday, not just on a Wednesday, because the church is not a building. It's not a 1365 Chamberlain Street. That's not what this is about. Can I tell you that you are the light. He said in the next verse, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Everybody hold your hand up in there. Would you put your light up in the air? Hold it up and say, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house, at the workhouse, at the schoolhouse. Amen. At the family reunion. Come on, keep your light up. God, keep your light up now. You can't, you can't. When I was a kid, they, they would sing hiding under a bushel. No, I thought it was a bushel, a bushel no. I didn't know what a bushel no was. Hiding under a bushel? No, I'm gonna let it shine. Amen. That's why we walk different. That's why we talk different. That's why we get a, a control of our emotions. Bitter water, sweet water can't come out of the same well. Amen. That's why we don't watch what everybody else watches. Because when you're sitting beside and Hollywood is dumping all of its trash into your spirit, you're going you're gonna to put a bushel over it. You're going to put the light out. That's why some of us have amazing experiences on Sunday. But we're living in darkness by Wednesday. Why? Because we're letting darkness try to influence us. 
You listen to this preacher. I've never felt more conviction. I can't get away from it. It's not the will of God that we, we divulge ourselves. We engorge ourselves with worldliness and carnality to where we know who we are on Sunday, but we can't remember what God wants us to do by Thursday. It's because the world is coming in our house. We're letting darkness in there. I'll tell you, we got to turn some things off tonight and start realizing who we are. We're the light of the world. We're the hope of the world. We've got to answer to the world. Every drug dealer needs what we have. Every broken home needs what we have. Every young person needs what we have tonight. Do you believe that? Somebody shout, shout, we are the light. He said, let your light so shine before men. I'll never forget my dad telling the story of a man that went into the, went into the military and while he was there and he got out and served his years and said, man, how did you live your life as a Christian in the military? I know it had to be rough. He said, I just didn't tell anybody. That's not Christianity. I'm gonna go ahead and help you a little bit about Christianity. You don't even have to tell anybody and they're gonna know. Because you're, you're not gonna walk with their jokes. You're not gonna do what they do. You're not gonna go where they go. You say, you, you, you say tonight, man, you, you sound so old school. I am. The Bible's old school. The Bible teaches us to be separate, to be godly, to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And I'm not just talking in conduct, but there ought to be a demeanor about you that's welcoming. They ought to feel the love of God come from you. I'm not, hold on a minute. I'm not talking about going, had a buddy of mine that he was witnessing the people. His buddy told him one time, he said, you know, I've got a hot date tonight at the job. He said, you're going straight to hell. You know, he didn't ever lead him to the Lord. God didn't call us to be judges. God called us to be hopeful, loving, and different. Amen. Our work shouldn't be what everybody else, else, else does. Amen. We act different. When we go through hard times and we remain faithful, people see that. And they say, how can you be doing this? When you went through this, we're not exempt from trial. We're not exempt from death. We're not exempt that appears from COVID. But you know what? How we respond in the midst of adversity is a testimony to people around us. Hey, they must have something that's beyond them. The Bible says it's the peace that passes all understanding. How can you be in the midst of chaos and still have peace about you? I don't know, except God said he would never leave me and he'll never forsake me. They ought to want to serve our God. Come on now. They ought to want to serve our God. They ought to want to be around us. It, it, I've seen Christianity, I've seen Christians I wouldn't want to be around to go to their church. I have, I've seen them sour and bitter and hateful and grumpy and oh, my lands and dishonest and I'm not saying all Christianity that way, but I've seen a few in 42 years have been alive. I wouldn't want to went to their church or serve their God, but I'm not talking about just some. I'm talking about the church he's talking about. He said, you're the light. There are people living in darkness. I'm so moved tonight. We cannot lose our purpose at the anchor. God has called us to be a light in this dark hour. Listen, listen. I know the Bible said this perilous times. Woe to them that are nursing, the Bible tells us. Woe to them in the last time, dangerous times, perilous times. And some shall even depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I understand that. But don't you think for a minute that the grace of God is not powerful enough to secure us, to seal us, and our babies. I'm not fearful of the end time. 
or I am not. God's not going to give me in a more dangerous and give me less. Amen. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I'm going to be all right. God's with me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to preserve me. Praise God. If he took care of, if he took care of Daniel in the lion's den, he's going to take care of Aaron and Sawyer and Lakin and Jillian and Finn and Cindy. If he took care of the three Hebrew, three Hebrew children and the fiery furnace, he's going to take care of my family. He's not going to leave me out to dry. God's not sitting back watching us seeing how we're going to do. Uh-uh. He's right there with me. He's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. I'm not here by myself. Somebody say man. Oh, I feel like preaching on a Wednesday night. You're not alone. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. But we better not turn around when God saves us, whistle at it and say, hey, Lord, thank you. I'll take it from here. Thank you for bringing me out. Thank you for healing my broken heart. Thank you for setting me from, free from the addictions. I'm happy now. I'll see you later. And you walk away from the Lord. You watch, you end back up in the same pit he brought you out of because there's not one of us that are worthy enough or good enough by our genetics or our pedigree to live righteous enough. You'll fall back in the pit. You'll go back to where you were. The only reason we have what we have. Paul said, I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. He's still my shepherd and I've got to follow him if I'm going to get home. Amen. But I'm going home. I've got a mansion waiting on me. I've got streets of gold and gates of pearl and walls of jasper. I've got a God that's with me. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. It's called Calvary. It's called Calvary. I want you to lift your hands and thank God for Calvary. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We are happy people. Yes, we are. We are happy people, yes, we are. Been baptized in Jesus' name, spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. You didn't sound very happy right there, I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> We're happy. We've been through the flood, but the flood couldn't drown it. We've been through the storm, but the storm, let me just tell you, we've been through a pandemic and God's still blessing it. The church was built for adversity. We will not fail. We will not faint. Come on, has Calvary made a difference in you? I just wanna know, has anybody here ever been healed, ever been forgiven? God's done something for you the doctor could not do. God's done something for you that the world couldn't do. Amen, God made a difference. Somebody say amen. And when you live right, you may be seated, and when you live right, God allows you to become a light. The Bible says that your life is an epistle that is read of all men. People are reading you. They're watching you. They're seeing if it's real or not. Is this just a church thing? Is this just a season? Or do they have something that I'm missing? Oh, we know it. Listen, I've had the Holy Ghost since 1987. I'm keeping it. 
I don't have any intentions of going anywhere. I've heard too many of your stories. There's nothing out there. Come on, how many know everything we need is in him? That old song says it's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus and it's all in him. If you need peace, you can find it in him. If you need healing, come on now, you can find it in him. If you need joy, you can find, oh, I feel like preaching tonight. If you're living in a dark place, he's the light that you need. Hey, he's the lifter of my head. He's the bread when I'm hungry. He's the water when I'm thirsty. He's my savior. He's my healer. He's my provider. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything to me. Woo! Somebody shout, glory. glory. He's wonderful. Wonderful. Jesus is to me. He's my counselor, prince of peace. The mighty God is he. He's saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. He's wonderful, my redeemer, praise his name. Oh, he is wonderful, wonderful. Jesus is to me. He's my counselor, prince of peace. The mighty God is he, and he's saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. He's wonderful, my redeemer, praise his name. Now that's an old song, Brother John. But then we would go from there to this song. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. And I'm living in his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. Do you believe it? Clap your hands if you believe it. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So when God returns because of Calvary, he gives you dominion. He gives you dominion over bondage. He gives you dominion over fear. He gives you dominion. Come on. That includes anxiety, depression. That's right. Insomnia, dominion. Everybody shout dominion. dominion. He gives us dominion over lust. How many believe that? He'll give you dominion over deceit and false doctrine. Conspiracies and lies about Christ. Another Christ, the Bible says that would come. He'll give you victory over deceit. I think we ought to join together and pray right now that God gives us dominion in this city over false doctrine. I think you ought to join me in prayer and say, God, let us have authority. Let us have dominion in this city over false doctrine, false teachings of the word of God. Come on, pray, pray passionately. Lord, we're believing for pastors. We're believing for tremendous Christians that have been led astray from false doctrine. Give us dominion over that. Hallelujah. Let there be a revival in the denominational world like we've never seen before. Oh, come on. I wish somebody would pray it like you mean it. Let there be a revival in all the denominations. People gathering from every corner of this region for a hunger, for a move of God, for an old-fashioned revival. Let there be an awakening. Hallelujah. How many feel that tonight? We have dominion over false doctrine. Praise God. Do you believe? Do you believe that? Do you believe we can see entire congregations have revival? Come on, this isn't about the anchor. This is about an entire, this is about the kingdom. Hold on a minute. 
We ought to be excited when somebody gets baptized here in Jesus' name. We ought to be excited when somebody repents. But we ought to be excited too when it's happening somewhere else and not just here. If it's happening at a church down the road, we ought to say thank you, God, for an old-fashioned revival. It's not about the anchors, not about this building. Amen. We're not in competition with the church down the road. We're, this is not a business. This is a kingdom. We're just a part of what God is doing. We're not all that God is doing. And when somebody else has revival, don't you say, oh my goodness, I can't believe, have you heard? No, you ought to be thankful. We ought to be excited when somebody, we hear about somebody being healed. Somebody, come on, can you be excited with the church down the road? Can you be excited with a revival in the next city? Come on, we ought to be excited about what the Lord is doing. Somebody shout glory. Excited, somebody shout excited. Amen, amen. Revival's breaking out. I feel an old-fashioned revival. I really do. I feel an old-fashioned revival. It's gonna hit this place so strong. It's gonna hit right here in this building. It's already hit here if you haven't noticed. Listen, it comes with old convictions. Brother Wade told us, he said, he said listen, you're gonna go to turn on things and the Holy Ghost is gonna say, uh-uh. Don't you dare override it. That's exactly right. You're going to go to watch and the Holy Ghost will say, uh-uh. You follow the Holy Ghost. We don't want to quench the spirit of what he's doing because what God's doing is so big. He's preparing this church as he is other churches for something mighty powerful to happen. How many believe that? This building can't contain it. I'm going to tell you, this building can't contain it. You're gonna see so many miracles. You're gonna see so many healings. Come on, you gotta get excited about this. You gotta get excited about what the Lord's doing. You're gonna see so many miracles, so many prodigals come to God. God's not done with people. He doesn't give up on people. He's still reaching. That's what he said in the book of Isaiah. They've turned my, their heart from me. They went to wicked directions, but my hand has not stopped reaching. That's what he said in the book of Isaiah today. I'm telling you, we wanna be a part of the reaching arm of God. How many wanna be a part of that? Somebody say amen. An old fashioned revival. I wish somebody would open your heart and say, God, give us an old-fashioned revival. What does that mean? That means the church waking up. The church becoming the church. Hallelujah. You know what follows an old-fashioned revival? It's a harvest. Harvest of people that come in. How many want to appreciate what God's doing? When somebody gets baptized, we shouldn't get used to it. Oh, yeah, that's another one getting baptized. Isn't that sweet? That's what we were talking about. Now, now, how much is that roast beef going? The, the, how much is that roast been sold down at Food Land again? What were you saying? Oh, I, I, think, I think it was come down to about three, 325 a pound. That's a miracle. You know, that's a miracle. There's a miracle up here, and you're talking about food and sanctuary. We better be careful. Well, somebody's down here dying in the altar, giving their life to God, and you're talking about... You're talking about, and you believe it snowed out there today? My goodness, it's, it, well, that's a subject we could talk about. Probably it snowed today a little bit, but somebody up here dying, and we're talking about we're talking about snow. Because if we're not careful, we forget why we're here, and we start 
lying to ourselves. I'm telling you, I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost. We start saying, well, if I miss tonight, pastor wouldn't notice anyhow. You know, they, won't, they won't even know I'm there. They won't even know I've missed. It's not about pastor noticing. Some of you watching should be here tonight. That's the truth. There are some people watching that should be here. But we, we forgot that revival is inconvenient. The cross is inconvenient. I mean, I, I mean he, he said, Lord, if, it, if this could pass, let it pass. Let it pass. But nevertheless, not as I will, but thine be done. The cross and the cross in your world, as the cross was in his world, was a place of dying out to what you want and submitting to what he wants. It's very inconvenient. How many of you find yourselves during revival when you can be seated? I mean, you're not going to believe this, but I'm, I'm a dad. I'm also a husband. I know it's a miracle, but pastor's grass still grows at the house. I got a lot of grass at the house. And, and there's times during revival that I was in church almost every night for a week and a half. I'm not complaining, but we're all in the ministry. We're all normal. We're not just a cut above, you know. It's, we, we, we still have to brush our teeth and eat cook dinner. You're not going to believe this, but when we get done with a meal, we have a bunch of dirty dishes. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, one day I looked at her and said, Gabriel, you just leave those dishes alone. We'll take care of them tonight. I know you're doing for us every Sunday because we're in the kingdom. It's inconvenient. Sometimes that, sometimes it's inconvenient. There's schoolwork to be done. And sometimes my kids get in the bed a little bit later because there's been a move of God. But I've learned that if we have a move of God, I'd rather than be in a move of God and get into a sleep of rest with the Lord than to be absence of a move of God and deal with chaos in the world. Listen, I, I grew up in this. I grew up in this. That, that sometimes when God takes a church into revival, there's a lot of inconveniences, but the Lord makes up for it. You will never, you will never have a cross that you give something to in your life that you sacrifice to that the God doesn't give it all back. So bedtime might be missed but they're going to get they're going to make up for it in the rest and the peace of God. Listen, this is truth. I, I can attest to this with my own kids. When God's presence moves, they rest. Now don't, don't on the way home get them, a, get them a Coke. Load them down with sugar and say he didn't tell the truth. Don't blame it on the move of God because you gave them caffeine and sugar at night. But I told the wife, I told Cindy the other day, I said, my goodness, we're going another night of revival. And there's part of you at moments you say, what was I thinking? I knew what I was thinking. The Lord was speaking. I'm kidding with you tonight, but I'm being real with you as well. And I, you know, I, it'd be nice to stay home and get this done, but... I said, this is, I was telling her, just venting to her. I said, but this is a sacrifice. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. But it's a sacrifice in going to the house of God. And then you get here. And in the first two minutes, you think, nowhere I'd rather be. I'd rather grass get that tall. I'd rather wait on the weekend to get it done. It's inconvenient. But Calvary was inconvenient. Amen. I'm going to tell you the fuel of the Antichrist is going to be convenience. 
It's a chip in the card. It's, it's holding up the line. It's, it's a drive through restaurant. It's everything. It's going to be convenient. It's cashless. It's, it's just going to be what? It's just a scan here, run there. It's a door dash. It's let somebody else. I mean, we're so spoiled. We let somebody else bring our drive through food to us. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We are living in an end time of convenience. But Calvary does not have a blue light. Listen, revival has no blue light special deal on it from Kmart. There is no sale. There's no, there's no mid-season. There's no, it's almost Christmas time, 50% off of convenience. You can just have it your way and have revival. It never works. There will always be a cross involved to see a breakthrough in your family, in your city. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Come on, come on. We cannot be an end time church and fall into an end time culture and say, well, God, you know, if I wake up in the morning, then I'll pray. You know, holy rollers are those that roll over and hit the snooze seven times. Feel good about it. But you know what? It's inconvenient. There's times I get up in the morning, I gotta wash my face. I gotta walk and pray so I won't fall into sleep, praise God, kneeling out the chair. I've slept many times. You know, those other steps we had made a nice, nice pillow at times when I came here and prayed early morning. Oh my goodness, Pastor, you're talking about sleeping. Don't look at me that way. You know you slept during your morning prayer. I'm not saying it's gonna be always easy and successful, but I don't want God to look down to see a slumbering church, a lazy preacher, a lazy saint of God, a dad that doesn't care enough to get up, a, a, a mom that doesn't care enough to seek God. What I'm saying is, it's not gonna come cheap. There's a price to be paid. You gotta push some sleep aside, the plate aside. So I've gotta get a hold of God because God doesn't move without a cross. God doesn't move without prayer. If you're here, it's because somebody prayed. Come on, I know it's tough. We ought to get on our feet and say, I want to be inconvenienced, but I know a miracle is on the way. Lift your hands and pray right now over the building. Let's all stand. It's inconvenient, but it's worth it. It's inconvenient. Hallelujah, but it's worth it. Somebody shout, it's inconvenient, but it's worth it. Man, come to the music, remain standing. The Lord dealt with me on this about two weeks ago about preaching on the inconveniences of the cross. Anytime God inconveniences you, it's because a miracle is going to happen. Every conference I've ever went to, that when I got there, I wish I'd have stayed. I, I wanted to stay in the hotel instead of go because I just felt was when I got a prophetic word. Because slumber always comes before the cross. Slumber becomes before the answer. Listen to what I'm saying. He said, look at the disciples. He said, could you not stay awake with me one hour? The most critical time that there was in three and a half years of being with him, slumber came on them. I preached it here probably three times. The Bible says, he that slumbered through the harvest, he that, he that sleepeth during the harvest, shame with his father. Everybody say harvest time. All that time of laboring and right before harvest, weariness. We can't be weary right now. Be not weary. Look at your neighbor says commandment. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And some of the greatest miracles I've ever had personally was when I didn't want to go, but I went anyhow. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, when you don't want to go, go. 
when, when you've done all you can to stand, stand therefore. Somebody say, go. It's inconvenience. Got a list this long to do. Can you believe he called another night of revival? We try our best to be at a convenient time on a school night, one hour. I try to, I try to honor that. But every now and then, the Holy Ghost wants to do something. I don't want to quench the Spirit. I want my kids to get in it. Well, I pray that we have an outbreak of the Spirit in our youth center. And that parents line the walls waiting on them. And on the way home, they hear, stammering lips. Just like I did when I got the Holy Ghost. Why are you crying? God touched me tonight. Moved by the Spirit. Go in there to wake him up for school the next morning. You get in there, you hear, oh, God. That shouldn't be an uncommon sound in our home. A burden, a prayer, groanings that you can't understand. Come on, it's Bible. I'm not talking about crazy stuff. I'm talking about the Spirit of God. Amen. But I pray, God, give Pastor Cody a message for our kids. Give, give him a word for them. That we stand out there and I like to have a good old fashioned service. We got to carry him home. It's sad if we don't know what that means. Drunk in the spirit. Drunk in the spirit. Drunk in the spirit. Lost in the presence of God. It's inconvenient. But it's worth it. I mean, oh, sometimes it's inconvenient. I had hardworking parents. Some, dad, my, some days my dad would get, before he was a pastor, he'd get home just enough time to try to shower off and grab a bite to eat as we'd get in the car going to church. Holy Ghost start moving. He'd start crying. look like mascara running down his eyes because of all that coal dust he had. But he was determined, I'm going to the house of God. Somebody shout inconvenience. But worth it. How many's ever been there? It seemed easier to stay home, but it was when you got there. Come on, amen. Come on, it's like standing in a long line at a roller coaster. You go to a good restaurant that says it's going to be 45 minutes. We'll wait. Pastor better not go over 45 minutes. Now. Oh my goodness. Maybe I need to preach better. I don't know. It's worth the wait. I want to go. Can you hear what I'm preaching? It's inconvenience to pray. Three day fast doesn't always make you feel good two days afterwards. It's inconvenient, but it's worth it. I'm so moved tonight. It's inconvenient to be a Sunday school teacher, but it's worth it. It's inconvenient to go to outreach on a Saturday when it's your only day off that week besides Sunday, but you go and you stand there on the street and you, and you go left and turn right and go up to this house and there's somebody standing there and you go out and start talking to them and you help them, you help them fix the car and you tell them, I'll, I'll be right back. I, I'll help you get this fixed. And you go out and they say, no, this guy comes and gives his life to the Lord and gets baptized. I said, it's a miracle. I feel free. It's worth it. It was inconvenient when my dad sold his house. 
sold his cars, everything he owned. He said, what, he could put in a box trailer? It sounds unreasonable, but God called him. Listen, God's calling is never unreasonable. What he calls you to is going to be worth more than what you give. A true missionary, you say, I'm, I told a missionary one time, I said, I'm, I feel so bad for you. I told him, I, I was overseas. I know him from here and met him overseas when I was preaching. I said, I feel so bad you don't get to come home. All the luxuries of the U.S. and you're over here. And he said, oh, it'd be a sacrifice more for me to go home. It's not a sacrifice to be here. You see, because when you follow the voice of God with Eddie, Sister Mindy, where he leads and you follow is better always than where you are. Always. God's not going to call you to a miserable place. And then you misquote verses by saying, suffer the little children. It's not what it means. I'm a missionary, so I'm suffering. That's not, that's not the calling of God. Because when God takes you from measure to measure, you never want to go back. Oh, I feel this right now. And there is a call of God in this church, and that's why there's been such convictions, because God has something better for us. How many believe that? My dad went to Salt Lake City. Sold everything he had, pried the grandkids off his neck. Little Sasha said, please, please don't weave me, Papa. Please don't weave me, Papa. She said, I, he told her, he said, well, well, we'll get this thing. We'll look at each other and we'll see each other on the computer. She said, I don't want to see you on a computer. Please don't. He had to pry her hands off of his neck. Now she's crying because he's moving 30 hours away. 1,800 miles away to go plant a church in a city that God called him to. But when he's there, he's driving down the road and lives in his little small apartment. He can almost sit on the bed, prop his feet up on a commode and reach in the refrigerator and get a Coke all at the same time. It wasn't that small, but it was small. Inconvenienced, but he's happy. <laughs> Brother Nehemiah, Geo, come here. You represent a generation that God's calling. There's, there's no specials, buddy. You listen to me, and I tell this whole church, for our kids, you don't get a discount. What costs them is going to cost you. There's a price to be paid. He said, any man that comes after me has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For the G.O., Daddy's driving down the road. Him, mom, that little apartment, trying to make connections, driving down the road. There was a guy pulled off. Y'all okay out there? There's a guy. Guy broke down the side of the road, but he felt led. I'm not telling everybody to do this. It might not always be safe, but he felt led. He pulled over. Probably had somewhere he needed to be, but he's learned to inconvenience himself. We're in a hurry too much. We got too many sitcoms pulling on us. We got too many social media scrolls we got to go through. How many know it's a waste of time? My lands. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching about you, not me. Amen. He come back to that, he come back to that person and he said to them, he said, what's going on? The guy said, I, I'm broke down. And he said, if you don't, if you like, I'll go get a chain. I'll pull you wherever you need to go. I appreciate that. Dad went and got a chain, a city of two million, pulled this stranger down the road to where he needed to go. And the man said, you don't sound like you're from here. I've heard that term a lot. 
He said, where are you from? He said, I'm from West Virginia. Well, my lands, what are you doing in Salt Lake City, Utah? He said, the Lord sent me here to start a Pentecostal church. And that man broke down. He said, I've been praying God would send a preacher to start a Pentecostal church here. That man came to the church. His, his wife repented and gave her life to the Lord, was baptized through the Holy Ghost. His daughter repented, was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he became his worship leader in the church. Inconvenience was worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And when God starts pulling on you, Barb, when God starts pulling on you, Wes, hey, Brother Josh Castle, way back in the corner, when God starts pulling on you to go do something for the Lord, it seems like a long and convenient path from that door to that altar. But I'm telling you, He won't leave you here by yourself. He's going to meet you right there. And when you say, Lord, it's me, I surrender tonight. I want, I want what you gave at Calvary. I want what you gave your life for. I don't want to be the same anymore. I'm asking you to change my life. Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to be lost. I don't want my life to be like everybody's life. I don't want my life to just be normal. I don't want my life to count for nothing. Oh God, I believe you got something better for me. Oh God, you're going to send anybody, send me. I believe you've given me some giftings deep down in here that you're going to use to make a difference in somebody's life. Oh God, I don't want to miss what you've called me to do. I don't want to miss what you want me to be. Oh God, you know how many altars I've went to in my life? You know how many camp meetings, you know how many revivals I went to that altar and I've met God. He didn't ever, he didn't ever leave me in that altar by myself. It seems inconvenient. What are people gonna think? What are people gonna say? Who cares? We're not here for anybody else. We're here for him. This is the Lord's house. This is a house of prayer. Come on, I feel this. There's a call of God in this church right now so strong. God's calling you away from some things because he's gonna call you to some things. I want everybody in the building, the building begin to reach out to the Lord right now and call upon the name of the Lord. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.